Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to the Headliner Radio podcast. Today I'm joined by Nick Vandervol, who is a DJ, record producer and remixer from the Netherlands, often better known as Afrojack, uh, who came in at number seven in DJ Mag's top 100 DJ polls this year. However, today we're talking about his alias Capuchon, which he's recently revived with a brand new single, 10 Years Later, which is out now via the newly launched Capuchon Records. Nick, how's it going, man? It's going well. What's up? How are you? Oh, good, man. I'm good. It's uh, it's absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. That's all good. Uh, how? Uh, where are you joining us from today? I'm in my house in Dubai. Okay. Very nice. I'm in- Yes, uh, it's actually very interesting because everything is in lockdown now in Europe. And I saw some friends of mine, they went to Dubai and I saw the restaurants were open again and stuff. So I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah. So I flew here and it's like life is almost completely normal. Like clubs, nightclubs are closed, but everything else is open. The shopping malls, uh, offices, uh, restaurants. So it's uh, very nice to be here right now. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of normality. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Have you? Um, how have you been getting on these past few months, generally, Nick? Have you? Have you been managing to kind of stay productive and, and stay focused on the music side? Well, I'll tell you honestly. When, when quarantine started, lockdown started and stuff, it took me like two months to adjust. Yeah. I started yeah. playstationing. I started doing Legos and just like. It was very weird to not be able to tour and not be preparing the show and not have any pressure writing. And that slowly opened me up to new perspectives of what I'm doing. Uh, I started getting very open-minded to everything that's been going on in my whole career. Mm -hmm. And so what do I really want to do? So it really gave me a, a chance for reflection. And that's how Capuchon 10 years later came about and the set and everything. So mm-hmm. honestly, uh, of course, it's a terrible thing that's happening. But for me, it really, I feel like I'm really lucky to have had this chance to change the situation. Yeah. Because if this yeah. if this didn't happen, I'd still be touring and hands up and la, 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 la. You know, nothing would have changed. Yeah. Yeah. So let's give you a chance to kind of step back and uh, reassess your kind exactly. of position in music I, I, I guess yeah 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 and, and not just me as a person but also my whole team like i have a company where we work together with 15 20 people or mm-hmm. something and it, it's also when, when you think about the touring life when i'm touring out with a group of five six people mm. the people that are working back at the office like we don't talk a lot and now i really started noticing when we're all together we can get so much shit done mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it really pointed me more in the direction for the future of uh, being more involved with the team and trying to trying to do bigger and newer things and more, being more innovative, you know, yeah, instead sure. of just recycling the formula of success that we've been lucky to have, mm-hmm. but to also make it challenging and make it new. And for me, the challenge of starting Capuchon is a lot more special and interesting than getting yet another headline slot at EDC, mm-hmm. which I'm, mm-hmm. of course, very thankful for. And it's an amazing experience. Yeah. But it's I've been doing it for 10 years. It's so something doing, different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like being able to get a Capuchon set, opening up a stage somewhere, that's that's like what, what I'm what I'm aiming for now, like yeah, doing that yeah. type of stuff. So would you have been out 
um, obviously you would have been out doing the festival circuit this year as usual. Was you the was the original plan to kind of revive Capuchon while you were doing the usual circuit and do some you know do some live tours as Capuchon? Uh, yes, but it it was very very minimum based. You know, like we already had the idea to do this for a while and it was already building a little bit. Yeah, but we didn't really have time to give it real focus. Okay, and now we do because like. The Afrojack brand is doing okay. The the music is doing okay. I'm having fun with it. We're releasing it. There's no pressure. Uh, Capuchon is brand new. So we really have something to push. And it, it's new for all of us. So it's new mm-hmm. for us to enjoy, to start new relationships. And most importantly, to go back to organic and human, like a more human situation. Because mm-hmm. Like as Afrojack, I'm represented by labels, by distribution companies, by agents, bookers, publicists, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and yeah. there's so many layers between me and like, for example, in this interview, like between me and you, if it was an Afrojack interview, there'd be four people in between yeah, to yeah. set the shit up, five people. Mm-hmm. And with Capuchon, I'm really noticing it's like back to the roots and back to how I started mm-hmm. when I released my first single. Yeah. yeah. Back like 15 years ago that it's about human relationships yeah. and growing together. And I think that makes it really exciting now. Is it quite nice for you to be getting back to that kind of way of working, especially? Absolutely. And it also made me change my entire vision about how everything was going with Afrojack. And it's very, very dangerous, but fuck it. But like, we're really thinking about uh, staying away from the big companies and yeah, just doing yeah. shit independently again, just mm-hmm. because it's more fun. Yeah. And of course, there's there's a risk you're gonna get less radio play and less less hits and less Spotify playlists. But at least it's real, and it's it's between humans. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. wanna I don't wanna be part of a, a deal anymore. Like you have a lot of deals, like uh, how back when you two uploaded their album for free to mm-hmm. uh, the new iPhone, the new iTunes, like yeah, that type of too, stuff yeah. <laughs> that happens in the music industry all the time. Yeah. And it, even if it's a small thing or like for a hundred thousand plays on Spotify or this group of playlists and you buy in some advertisements, the that's like an industry thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, I think also if you look at social media, people, people are getting smarter and they're seeing through that shit all the time. So I think this is a great chance for everyone to uh, reassess who they are, reassess who they, how they represent themselves and uh, do it. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. Just go with it or, or stay in the industry. That's also <laughs> an option. But people are smart. So yeah. I, I don't think that's going to stay alive that long. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It's um, obviously it's a risk taking that, that leap um, sort of into the unknown, as it were. But it's um, it's something that um artists are are doing a lot they're using this time to um focus on the music you know get back in the studio and um kind of yeah just reevaluate why they got into music in the first place i guess um and it's like you say it's all about the people um and collaboration i have to Um, say i'm not the only one that's doing it i also saw for example he did the jack black thing but he also applied that jack black technique of going back to the roots and going back to relationships yeah he applied that to like his main brand, David Guetta, by releasing a song on Musical Freedom, mm, mm. which is Tiesto's label. So, like from an industry perspective, he's releasing a song, he's selling the master to a competitor, 
to a competitor's label. Yeah. It's like, it's not necessary, but it's fun. You know, like it's, uh, it's fun. You can celebrate together. You can celebrate music together. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. I, I honestly think this break, even though it's hurting a lot of people financially, especially the up and coming DJs, I think for the industry, it's a really healthy reassessment. And when parties start again, uh, maybe we're not going to make as much money as we used to, but I think the passion is going to be at an all time high. I yeah, think the passion yeah. is going to be at a level it's never been this high. Everyone's going to Everyone's like, going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly going like, to be uh, like we were forced to reinvent ourselves all of us, the labels, yeah. the the blogs, uh the uh the, the how you say it? the magazines. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. why we're doing this podcast, you know? <laughs> like we're all reinventing ourselves. Absolutely. And I hope it's for the better. Mm. I think it's for the better. As long as you stay true to yourself, it's always going to be for the better. Mm. I know. I think so. Um, and I see a lot of people like pulling together a lot more now. Um, you know, it's definitely off the back of what everything that's happening this year. People are definitely kind of pulling together a lot more. There's a lot more unity, I think. And and when we come out of this, like you say, when we get back to, to live gigs, um, the passion's just going to be through the roof, I think, because, mm. you know, just getting back in, in a crowd with people like, you haven't been in crowds for so long. It's just like, uh, it's going to be very strange, but yeah. So yeah, I, I had, it, I had it at my wedding with, uh, <laughs> with my wife. You, you got married uh, this year, right? Yeah. We got congratulations. Sorry. September. Was, yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in Lake Como. And this was right before Amazing. they started locking stuff down again. So everyone got tested. Uh-huh. They, they all flew there. I think we had about a hundred people and we had a dinner. It was like a sit down dinner and yeah. we had a band playing. And the band started playing. Everyone just started dancing. Yeah. And it was like, instead of a sit-down dinner, it was actually a dance night where people just <laughs> sat down for like five minutes really quick to grab a bite and they went back to dancing. Yeah. Like that's how much people are missing the parties. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah oh, it was fun to see. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Now, um, you obviously, well, you mentioned Capuchon is quite a new thing, but it's actually... Um, it's actually something a project that you started quite a while ago isn't it it's uh, obviously it's your house and techno alias and previously under under the name you released two eps with with benny rodriguez in 2009 and then kind of shifted back to afrojack so it's it's quite interesting that you started making music as capuchon over 10 years ago i'm assuming that's why the record is called 10 10 years later exactly um, the, the yeah. reason it's called 10 years later is because the last record I released is about 10 years ago. I yeah, don't remember yeah. how long, but probably something like that, maybe yeah. more. But when I started DJing before I was like getting known, and even when I started as Afrojack back in 2007, I like I was always in the warm-up slot. Mm. So I always learned to play house and play more deep tech house. And in Holland, this was all the this was the, the whole range. You had the eclectic music, which mm-hmm. was a mix of hip hop and a little bit commercial tech house, like what you see in America a little bit now. Yeah. And then the other side was full on techno and deep house. And I was always in that, that genre. So I was always warming up at 123, 124 BPM. Mm-hmm. And I was always playing alongside uh, techno-ish DJs. So for me, it was very normal to do this uh, because it was fun and it was nice to be able to play my own music even when warming up. Yeah, of course. And like the shit exploded so much in 2010. And I went to Las Vegas and I got like 
titties in my face and champagne <laughs> and like celebrities. I was on a golf cart with fucking Lil John and oh, wow. he came to announce me on the stage and he was he had the little pimp cup from the uh, Usher Yeah video. And I like <laughs> and like, okay, I'll do this for a while. <laughs> so basically, basically that happened. And then, uh, yeah, I've never been able to really pay attention to it until about two, three years ago yeah. when I started the make making the actual music again. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the song that's coming out now, I think I made about a year ago already, or oh, wow. two years ago. Okay, okay. it's been in the pipeline for a while then, yeah. Well, the, mu the music's been coming, but I never really had the time to properly release it or set up the label. Like, mm, I think mm. we had the logo for about a year, but I've been so distracted with touring, and like you have to imagine all the labels and your companies and the partner companies that are making money off the brand they're like yeah. oh this fucking copy from shit you need to focus on afrojack that's the big thing because that's what they make money off of course yeah so you constantly get pressured to pay attention mm. to what is important to them yeah which is not necessarily what's important to me personally or the fans or my own team mm -hmm. so i was very distracted that's why i say like having this time is really great for me to pay attention to the really important things which get forgotten if you listen to the the big companies yeah yeah and it's nice timing as well i guess like you say it's a it's a very personal thing but it's nice timing for you to although you've had these tracks in the you know in the in the bank for quite a while it's a nice time to be re releasing them now um under under capuchon and are you are you kind of approaching things in a slightly different way to before obviously you're your production has come on leaps and bounds in the last 10 years. You know, it's probably evolving all the time, I would imagine. But um, obviously you're moving in a slightly different direction musically now. Um, what kind of approach are you taking generally to, to, to before? Well, are you talking about Capuchon? Or yeah, with, yeah or? with Capuchon, yeah. So the interesting thing is, like I said, I see other DJs also making like deep aliases and stuff but yeah. it still is uh it's still you can hear it's very specific like nicky romero started uh i forget the name like uh little ball or something i forget the name of it but it doesn't matter he started something and it's like very progressive mm -hmm. it's very cool but that's not the house i grew up on the same thing with martin uh garrix who also started the uh, alias which is also still very EDM-y, uh, almost Eric Preitz-like. Okay. For me, when you're talking about house and techno, I'm like thinking DJ Dion eats everything, all the old mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bintang essential mixes, like the aggressive shit. Like uh, there was a Def Punk essential mix to me. That's house. That's techno. Mm -hmm. Green Velvet, like Green Velvet from 10 years ago also. And... Uh, it's very interesting to me. So all the music that I make always needs to have that ghetto feel. It's yeah, never going yeah. to be plastic, perfect sidechain, perfect EQ. I want that shit to feel raw. Mm -hmm. I want I want you to make the the ooh face when you hear one of my <laughs> tracks in the club. You know, when the bass line comes in, you go like, damn, what uh, the fuck, bass man? Face, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That that's that's what I'm going for when it, with Capuchon. Everything needs to be like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Now, um, obviously, you, you, you're you also launching, um, well, you've launched Capuchon Records, your own label. Um, and we've we've touched on this briefly already about having the kind of freedom in your music, uh, working independently mm -hmm. in, in that way. 
was it you know launching the label was it a case of wanting to kind of solidify the identity of capuchon and, and really just sort of um so that the project was just like ready to go in that sense uh yes but the the whole main thing why i called capuchon records capuchon records is because i don't want capuchon to be just another alias uh, for me i wanted to serve as a reminder to sticking to your roots uh, sticking mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to relationships mm -hmm. so when i said capuchon records the idea with capuchon records is to release anything i think is cool so we're not going to be dependent on spotify playlists we're not going to be dependent on beatport success that is not the definition of success the mm -hmm. definition of success is being able to enjoy music together mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so all the people that i'm going to release the music of when it comes it's i want to be able to release interesting shit and also teach them the value of those relationships mm -hmm. yeah so yeah that's also why there's no instagram for capuchon there's instagram for capuchon records yeah but i'm not gonna treat capuchon as a brand ever it's purely about the music for, for Cap yeah yeah Okay. It's about the music. It's about the relationships. So for me, the only thing we're going to do with Capuchon when it when it's about promotion, it's not a, about the promotion of my deep house side. It's about the fucking promotion of the feeling we get from attending house events. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing I was thinking about before when I was looking, uh, like I, I was watching my set to get in the vibe a little bit and to like see wow, did I do good or yeah. could I have done yeah, something yeah. better? And then I realized one thing. With house, all the communication is in music. Only music. There is no microphone. There is rarely a microphone. So the language of music is the only language which completely abolishes the need for words, mm -hmm. which I think makes it so beautiful. And that's why I think such special emotions and relationships come out of enjoying house music together mm -hmm. house techno anything that's separate from uh, commercial performances like where you do an edm set and it, there's there's an mc and you're playing pop records in between it's more of cr trying to create a very entertaining show mm -hmm. but you're not going to get the spiritual connection that you get from uh, one hour of straight music with yeah. no vocals yeah yeah yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Again, that's what we're trying to put down there. And that's also what I want to share with people because a lot of the people that listen to my music never experienced what I experienced that made me want to be a DJ, that made me want to live in nightclub. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a little bit trying to give that vibe off again, trying yeah. to share that vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, you have a real deep connection with music and Capuchon kind of lies at the roots of that. And it's just like trying to get back to that, I guess. Um, I mean, yeah, let's, uh, you mentioned uh, when you first started, first started DJing. I mean, when, when you first started out, was it, was it initially on the techno house side? Like who, who were some of your early influences? You mentioned a few. So the first song I heard that made me go, what the fuck is this? What, what is happening? was Benny Benassi's Satisfaction uh -huh. because it was, uh, there's a composition it's like the same loop all the time and it goes away and it comes back and it goes away and it comes back mm -hmm. and it builds mm -hmm. up and it comes back very, very hard with like a sweep. 
I was like, what the fuck is that? That's so cool. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then slowly I started figuring out more about house music. There was Syndicate of Law right on time mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. The, the dirty bass line, which really, really was cool. And then the countdown and the beat came in <laughs> and then come on. And the guitar came back. I was like, oh, is what, is, what yeah. the fuck is going on? And then also <laughs> seeing that music being enjoyed by people that would never have fun together, like different social layers, different, different races, different age categories, Mm -hmm. just being brought together just by music. Uh, Yeah. Wait, what was the question? I lost myself here. I was so excited. It was so much fun. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's how I got in, how how I got in touch with it. Yeah. No, I I, I was said about like your early influences who, you know, you've just mentioned Benny Manassi um and some of those so yeah you, you pretty much answered my question mate yeah um but yeah uh when when you actually start uh, a track yourself nick um like in terms of your workflow and your and your general approach to producing do you usually start with like a with a melody or a baseline or or a concept or like a hook and then build on that what's kind of your general approach um i mean again it's probably changed over the years as your studio setup has evolved you know as your knowledge of the of the tech has evolved um what's kind of like your general approach so i started uh i like i I learned like producing records by just learning a lot from forums. Now you have a lot of YouTube tutorials. Yeah, yeah. Trying to perfect the technical aspect of the craft. And then the more I grew into performing and actually seeing people's reactions when you play stuff, the more I learned it's not about what equalizer you use. It's not about what reverb you use or what compressor. It's that it sounds good mm-hmm. and that you make sure that your low end is tight. You know, you have to sidechain your low end or make sure that the baseline is at a certain level and the kick is at a certain level. Mm-hmm. It's, it's lots of frequencies. But now when I open my projects, there's nothing on the master, just a limiter. And okay. uh, everything else is just lots of EQing, but not using special EQs. Right now I use the FabFilter Pro Q3 because it's very simple and it has like a little sidechain uh how you say like a sidechain ability mm-hmm. but 99 out of the 100 times when i start a track and i start importing stuff just to get creative i use fl eqs fruity eqs yeah okay i use fruity reverbs i use fruity compressors it, it doesn't matter what brand the equalizer it's about how you use it yeah and when you're gonna get like super technical my music isn't super technical i'm not trying to be a trent muller or fx twin or like trying to blow your mind with my technical skill Mm -hmm. there's many 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 people that are way better than me at that and i appreciate them and it's fun but i get more fun out of the music part versus the the eq tricks part yeah yeah and obviously your stuff is quite experimental but like you say it's the way you use uh the gear rather than the gear itself sometimes yeah. it's um and, it's all and, and that's preference. a big thing I, I learned from djing i had a lot of times i spent so much time on making like a cool mix and a cool trick with the mix and then you play it and no one fucking cares but mm. then you play a shitty mix song but they like the hook and then it fucking is it's a monster and everyone goes like oh shit what is this sound yeah yeah or like i pooped it out in 20 minutes <laughs> and then the shit you spent six hours you got on no one cares about yeah yeah 
So <laughs> at one point I was like, okay, well, I, I'm, this it's not what I'm going to do for my life. I don't have enough fun doing EQs and compressor and stuff. I have more fun making stuff that gets a reaction out of people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, um, I want to. I actually want to play one of your tracks. I want to play Ten Years Later. Funnily enough, um, oh. for uh, for our listeners, if that's okay, just to um, yeah. just to give a, a taste of of uh, what we can expect from uh, from Capuchon. So I'll I'll be back to you in a sec, Nick. That's uh, definitely made my uh, made me do my bass face listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. <laughs> no, it's got um, it's got a sick bass line, man, and that drop was, uh, was a really nice drop. Um, and it's kind of quite it's quite um, it's kind of quite minimalist compared to compared to your usual stuff. Um, I've noticed what. Well, talk to me about like the creative process for this track was it it was this one that was in the pipeline for a while as well uh yeah also by the way mixing wise even though like i said i I just wanted to be simple we made like 10 different mixes yeah and we couldn't get the bass right and then the first version i made the bass was a little bit resonant on like 120 hertz Uh and like we tried to fix it and then we never worked it out. So after 10 new versions, I went back to the first version and just retried from there. Okay. Got the resonance out and then that became the master. But uh, the process about this track, I think it was just, I was DJing and I was like thinking what what would be cool to fit in this set and what could I do that's no, that no one's really doing right now. And the thing is with all those uh, Fisher and Chris Ray- Lake records, we'd have the same arrangement. Yeah. They always have like hidden sub basses. Like the bass is always in the back. It's, it's not the theme. And uh, yeah, I, I just made this bass and I thought, okay. Just brought it right to the front. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Very nice. 
And I thought the whistle was cool. There was like yeah. a super big record four <laughs> years ago in the in the like EDM scene called Whistle or Blow My Whistle. I, yeah. I forget who made it. And it was actually a Venga Boys mashup, and it used to make everyone go like, "Oh, oh shit!" It's something really nostalgic so thought, about it. The whistle, like, yeah. So I thought, like, yeah, put, let's put it in. Also, by the way, a big inspiration is uh, Bon Garçon Freak You, the instrumental. Okay. I think it's the full Freak intention you, yeah. dub. Okay. Thank you. Can we Google that? Bon Garçon Freak You, full intention. Yeah, Bon Garçon Freak You, full intention dub mix. Okay, okay. That record is also so fat mixed, and that also has a bass line which makes you go like, oh shit. <laughs> like what the fuck so i think that's that's the inspiration for this record okay okay yeah i mean it's a banger it's definitely a banger man um Thank and you, you and you've had some um you've had some pretty incredible collaborations over the years of course um and this year was no exception you did a track with uh ali brooke from fifth harmony uh with Feddy legrand uh, jeremiah say my name um so you you know you've been quite busy on that side as well uh yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a loaded question, but have you got any kind of favorite collaborations? Um, uh, I have uh, one very, very big like Afrojack record, which we've been sitting on for about a year. Yeah. But we haven't been able to, to figure out the right way to release it. But like I said, uh, we've been talking a lot lately, and it looks like we might going to be doing that record completely independent, okay. which is a very big risk because... Like even before the record got released, getting the vocal engineer and recording the vocal and getting all the writers to sign off, there's a gigantic amount of like high profile, ridiculously high profile writers involved. Okay. It's a great song. Uh, it's featuring a great artist. And uh, yeah, I think we're just going to try to do this record ourselves. I'm very excited about it. It's the, it's the first Afrojack song like I'm excited about since all night. Okay. Like, okay. No disrespect to some of the other songs I did this year. Yeah, yeah. But I do a lot of records that I'm like, okay, well, the label loves this. Okay, or like, yeah, my mom loves this, or the team loves this. I loved all night, and I was playing the club mix of that for like two years before I released the song. Mm. Now the record we're putting out that I can't say anything about yet <laughs> is like, to me, it feels like uh, a ten feet tall or. Uh, takeover control type of record okay like i really feel it it's going to bring the vibes and the atmosphere which is uh the the more i say the, the more loving atmosphere of dance music like titanium yeah 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 okay oh, that's very exciting indeed man um i know obviously there's certain things you uh you can't talk about when it comes to <laughs> it comes to that but yeah something to look forward to certainly certainly and yeah, I, um by the time we put it out i'm definitely gonna make sure rose calls you and tells you <laughs> this is the fucking record he was talking about <laughs> excellent excellent are you um are you also going to be kind of building on your collabs with with capuchon as well or is that just more of like an afrojack thing um collaborating or or, or capuchon is that going to be entirely i am collaborating I am collaborating, mm, mm. but like only with whatever pops along. We're not doing any conscious. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, it, it's a it's a personal thing. It's a human thing, and we're not trying to market ourselves into being a successful brand. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when the right people come along and the right songs comes uh, along, of course we're gonna do it. Sure, but we're not gonna we're not doing any 
and a growth strategy by alliancing with other cool tech house brands. Blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, blah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, and we've touched on it again. We've touched on it briefly, Nick. But um, talking about your your studio setup. Um, uh, I know you're not in your your big studio at the moment. You said you're in your your gaming studio. Um, yes. So it might be a bit annoying that there's not you've not got all your kits around in you to um, to talk to me about. But just curious to know what kind of um, what kind of setup you're running at the moment. Uh, your DAW. I know you like FL Studio. Yes. Um, and kind of curious to know what speaker system you're running. Any go to bits of audio gear at the moment? You mentioned um, uh, you mentioned a couple of plugins. Is there anything that you know you really can't live without, or anything that's like a real game changer for you? Yeah, so uh, I'm sure there's many. I want a MacBook Pro with Bootcamp. Because, uh, <laughs> FL, FL Studio, I, I, I love the guys, but it's still not working properly on Mac. Yeah. Uh, so new MacBook Pro, Bootcamp. Uh, I use the, the Pro XDR with the ridiculously stupid, expensive Apple stand, the display. Okay. Uh, it's really it's really nice. It's like 6,000 by 4,000 pixels or something. It's very easy to work with. Mm, mm. And it also functions as a hub. So I only have to put one cable in my MacBook Pro and everything's automatically hooked up. Okay. I use a Lynx Hilo sound card. I use a Yamaha Motif XF, which is a big keyboard with lots of sound inside. I actually never use the sounds, but when I play on it, like it really is, it has inspiring sounds. Mm, mm. So I never, I never record it but I use it to just get to my melodies and stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, speaker system. In Holland, I used to have, uh, what do you call the, the big ones? So, you know, PMC? Yeah. They, the, um, XB ones or the, uh, yeah. So I had, uh, let me see. Got the system here. So this is in your main studio in, in Holland. Yes. Right now it's in Belgium. Okay. And, I need to figure out the name of these speakers. I think they're passive and they're fucking gigantic. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. So here in Dubai, I have the MB2S XBD. Okay. And then in Belgium, I have, of course, I use all the tiny ones as uh, near fields. And P- in PMC's, PMC's the, the near fields as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the second biggest system they they have, and the QB ones are very nice, but they're they're too big, that's they're the too ones. loud. Yeah. Uh, so that's the main speaker system. I always have a set of NS10s. Okay. For for mixing and uh, referencing, so it's very important to me when you listen to music or when you're producing. I always produce on low volume. Sometimes I put it loud to feel the vibe, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. generally, uh, when mixing, when producing, it's like 80, 90 decibels. Mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. very calm because I don't want to fuck up my ears. Yeah. <laughs> like I went in, I went in studio with, in LA with like all the American artists and stuff. They all pushing like a hundred, 110 DB all night long. And like everything they're doing, it's like, you're going to go deaf, but they're not used to being at a festival every day. Yeah. So I understand. <laughs> Like for me, I'm always like using my earplugs when I'm in the studio with them. Yeah, yeah. Are and you... my main plugins. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna sound like an asshole to any audio file, but Nexus <laughs> is the best thing in the world. Nexus. Yeah. And there's a there's another one that came out recently, which is like a competitor of the Nexus. But the thing about Nexus is it has so many sounds, and it's all sample based. So 
you can't really change anything, but if you type piano, you get a thousand pianos with pads, with mm-hmm, gate, mm-hmm. gated effects, with crunchy effects, old pianos, new pianos, movie pianos. There's such a variety. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. for me, that's the greatest thing to always lay the bass, uh, the bass of the song, not the bass line, but like the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like silence because it's very versatile mm-hmm. and it looks very simple. I never use the the difficult plugins, the, the new ones that all the dubstep producers are using. I forget the name of it. Uh, is it synth sim? I forget it. What's it? You know it? Uh, I'm not too sure. You're not talking about Oak Sound, are you? Um, Soothe, Soothe and Spiff. I don't know if you've used those Soothe no, too and Spiff, know. like transient um, designers, but um, no. That's that was... another thing I, I stay away from. There's this like little. Uh, dynamic amplifier i think it's a ott or something mm, mm. i say the fuck away from it it's the, the the most terrible thing i can imagine it's the opposite of compression i actually try to always limit my sounds and try to have them not be too dynamic so you can create a lot of uh, dynamic rest in the song yeah and the more dynamically relaxed the song is the more aggressive you can go with melodies uh difficult percussion etc cetera, etc cetera. so i always try mm-hmm. to take out the little peaks mm-hmm. that you see so it's, it makes it easier mixing more relaxed and a more soothing dynamic experience versus yeah. making it dynamically aggressive yeah and not too much eq as well you saw obviously you mentioned that earlier as well about well, a lot of eq, EQ but any eq, EQ works but i really yeah. like the fab filter pro q3 yeah uh, and i've been fighting with the the fab filter pro l i've been using it for a long time but every time i just can't figure out the right preset. And before that, I used to always have a Waves L3 Ultra and a Multi Maximizer. Okay. Okay. I master, and that that worked really nice. Mm, mm. And uh, you went. Uh, what did we say? FL Studio um, is your kind of. Did you do most of your things in the box on there? FL. Uh, what? One more time. Uh, F on FL Studio is that a uh, the DAW you use? Um, yes, yes, only FL Studio. I have Ableton. It has a great time-stretching uh, process inside. So that's great for making edits or trying to take a 60 song, which is completely offbeat, and get it exactly on the grid. Yeah. So it's great yeah. for edits. Okay. But I don't use it for production. Okay. And anyone that uses Logic or Pro Tools, I respect you guys, but it, it's too too tedious for me yeah, yeah like fl studio i can work very very quickly okay i mean it's personal preference isn't it um when it when it comes down to it with your daw it's all about uh what's best for your workflow and and um what's the most kind of streamlined streamlined yeah, thing for you i, I agree yeah i agree it's like if you're used to driving an audi then like you know where all the buttons are yeah. if you're used to trying uh uh, BMW, you know mm-hmm. where all the buttons are, and then if you switch cars, you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you um do you remember Nick um your very first studio setup? Um, what kind of? I mean, yes, might be yeah. Like, do you remember the first sort of bits of kit kit that you got I, your hands on? And I think there's a picture floating around on the internet of it somewhere. I had a. My mom's stereo hi-fi system, yeah, which she wanted to sell, and I convinced her to keep it with two big speakers, very crappy, like 
you know, like the standard commercial hi-fi system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one big CRT monitor. <laughs> and uh, that was it. I had a MIDI controller, like a mm-hmm. little uh, Behringer keyboard because they were the cheapest, but they always deliver the best what you can get for that money. Yeah. yeah so yeah. even though I would never recommend anyone to buy anything from Behringer, if you have not so much money, they make stuff that will at least last you for three months and works properly. But okay. it breaks really quickly. Okay. <laughs> so keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> They they also did the same thing with uh, like DJ equipment. You had uh, you have the DJM of course, and they made the DJ X, which was exactly the same, but it was like a quarter of the price or less than a quarter of the price, mm. and it also had effects, and it was very similar. The only shit thing is the faders were all cracking after three months. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's always but something. that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, in terms of. Um would is there any kind of do's and don'ts uh for you know we speak to a lot of aspiring and emerging talent djs producers um of of all kind of levels really in the music industry mm-hmm. um and i mean you're you're one who's at the top of his game and uh in in that sort of respect is there any do's and don'ts like advice that you'd give any tips that you would give to up-and-coming djs and producers who are who are looking to break through or who are really looking to like you know find their musical identity in 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 production um what's kind of the first the first bit of advice that you'd give so the first thing i can tell you is uh don't be who you're not okay it's absolutely never be who you're not because people smell it yeah they see through it. They, they don't know that they're smart, but they're very smart. And then they might call it, oh, no, this guy is a bad vibe. They're not going to be able to communicate it, but they smell it if you're full of shit. Yeah, so yeah. don't be full of shit. Be real. Uh, but you have to learn the language. So you want to be able to communicate with all these people within the music industry. And it's the same thing when producing. You have to be you but you have to apply the rules of communication of whatever it is that you want to grow into. Mm-hmm. So if you want to become a house DJ and you produce house, make sure that there's a kick, a hi-hat and a clap. You can try it without, but it's going to be very difficult. <laughs> you know, it's the same is, is that I think is the most important thing. A lot of people always try to be very original mm-hmm. and are afraid of being seen as unoriginal. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important to remember that 99% of all dance music has recycled and it's not original. The baseline has been done. The song has been played. The open hi-hat, the open 909 hi-hat is not fuck. It's legendary, but it's not uh, original. innovative. Yeah. But don't be afraid of it because it's been used a gajillion times. Use mm-hmm. it too. Mm-hmm. Use it to tell your story. Yeah. So I think that's one of the most important advices I can give for anyone that wants to become a producer or a DJ. Be you, but apply yourself in the correct manner. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's diff- like we all have different parts of us. I have drunk me, I have happy me, I have uh, uh unresponsible irresponsible me, mm-hmm. I have responsible me. And I just have to make sure that if I go to a responsible situation, I show responsible me, not irresponsible me. Yeah. yeah because course. else the responsible people are going to say, ah, I'm sorry, you're irresponsible for us. We are not interested. 
So if you want to DJ somewhere, make sure you speak the language and apply yourself correctly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but that's that's what, how I do it. I think it's a great bit of advice, mate. To be honest, I think um, it's a good thing to to live by and to um, to take heed of. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, now to to celebrate the launch uh, of Capuchon Records and the release of Ten Years Later, you hosted a live stream set um, for fans last weekend. Um, yes. which was broadcast on Facebook, YouTube. Um, is that something you've been doing quite a lot of this year? What kind of reception did you get uh, from from that? Um, and is that something that you're kind of looking to explore a little bit more, you know, the live stream sets, connecting with the fans? It was fun. It wasn't live. We recorded it and broadcasted it live. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, it was a little bit scary because this was the first time I recorded a full-on Capuchon set, not trying to represent Afrojack in any way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was very uh, interesting to not have any pressure writing at all on your track selection. Mm -hmm. It also made it a little bit difficult because uh, I tell you honestly, if I compare my set to other tech house or house DJs or deep house, they always do one thing. And in my set, I'm going fucking from left to right, up <laughs> to down. Um, critically, it could be seen as a mess. But I, I, I'm not a critic. I'm just a DJ. <laughs> so uh, it was very interesting. I'm definitely going to do it more often because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And I will definitely find my way as this goes along. But this was the first time I actually played a set without people, with no expectation and no pressure. Mm -hmm. It must have been nice. But the funny yeah. thing is, the funny thing is, I did a DJ Mac set two months prior, and that was an Afrojack set, and I played like five minutes of Afrojack music, and then I only played house and tech house and weird, weird things for like an hour. Mm. And the interesting thing to me there was that in all the reactions that we got on Facebook, all the live reactions and all the reactions on YouTube, no one said, why is Afrojack playing house music? Yeah. <laughs> and I was really expecting like all these people to go like, oh, why is he playing this boring shit? No one said anything like that. So it's very interesting to see how far house music is already becoming the norm for even people that like Afrojack yeah, music. Yeah. Which I think from an industry perspective is very interesting. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you say, that that style is just becoming um just more recognized. Uh, to kind of the the casual music listener, I guess. Oh, I say casual music yeah, listener. Exactly. So, 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 so like an Afrojack fan, yeah, exactly. But that also, of course, had to push me creatively further for Capuchon because yes, yes, I was doing it. It's like, well, if I play this music as Afrojack and no one's saying anything, mm -hmm. I really have to dig deep in my records to make something cool in uh, in the Capuchon set. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. How much, um, I mean, again, we've mentioned it already, Nick, but um, how much are you, have you been p missing performing live uh, this year? Um, obviously, it's something that artists, musicians, DJs have, have really been missing this year um, with everything kind of suspended. You know, these live stream, stream shows are a good, a good kind of alternative. Obviously, you're not getting the same energy that you would no. uh, at a live show. But Hon Honestly, the, doing the live streams, is uh fun because you have like live interaction yeah doing the green screen recordings is terrible 
terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible to DJ in front of a green screen, not seeing the people. But the only thing you have to remember is people are home alone. Mm-hmm. They, they probably miss me, sort of. So I have to try and give them the greatest experience I can possibly possibly give them. Yeah, yeah. So when I was with Ambush in front of the green screen for Tomorrowland Digital, mm-hmm. we really tried to just close our eyes and pretend we're there because we want to give them the best experience possible. But you feel a little bit silly before and afterwards. When it's, a, it's when it's uh, a pre-recorded show, you mean? Like yeah, yeah. and it's it's not fun. It's not fun, but when the fans actually like it and they they're like they're appreciative Mm -hmm. it's nice yeah of course you know that that's what we do it for because we're not doing it like oh i love this because of course i love the live connection Mm. and i love seeing the people but at one point you also have to give give something even if you don't necessarily like it of course yeah now i guess it's the same thing with live performing like Mm. playing takeover control or 10 feet tall for the gajillionth fucking time like yeah, I could I could do without that song now, but the people that see you, they they buy a ticket to see you, and they see you once in their whole life, mm-hmm. or in five years, or three years. They want to hear fucking ten feet tall. Mm-hmm. So it's your duty as an entertainer to entertain to the expected level of the person that buys a ticket for you. Yeah, you yeah. can also not do it, but then first you're an asshole, and second they <laughs> probably never buy a ticket again. <laughs> So then you're killing your own you're killing your own hobby. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh I make you right, you know, people listening to your tracks for the first time. Um, you know, you may have kind of got bored of playing them over and over at, at the same festivals, but yeah. um I, I always I, try to see it like this. I, I I give you the song that you want to hear, and then I get to play you three songs that I want to hear. <laughs> and then tell me if you like it. That's what I always do when I'm playing live. And yeah. then I, you can see the reaction. Like, ah, oh, I like that. Thank you for giving me what I asked for. Mm. And then you give them something new that they didn't ask for. Mm. And if you do it right, they're going to like that too. And then they're going to like that next. So yeah. then next time when you come back, you can play those three songs again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like your style. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of uh, when you are performing live, what sort of setup do you run? Um, do you have like a... Uh, a go-to PA or a particular a particular setup that you use um, in your live sets? No, 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 no. Just uh, the whatever's the, there. Din audio, uh, DB audio. Wait, Din audio or DB audio? No, DB audio monitors and, and the standard Pioneer set. I could add a lot of things, but I, I, I'm not going to play the live game. I see so many people that are live, but they're not live. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, watch me hit some fucking drum pads over my prepared Ableton set with a completely prepared visual and lighting scheme that no one is doing live. Like my light guy <laughs> is live, my uh, visual guy is live, mm. my MC is live, my track selection is usually live, uh, except for the really big ones I, I prepare it. Yeah, yeah. And the effects I use from the mixer are live. I think that's more live then people saying they're a live show and they're just doing a standard playlist, mm. hitting fake drum pads that accent the lights. It's like, you know, and then they're better because they're live. They're not DJs. They're live. They're live artists. Yeah. But and like nothing yeah. is live. Oh, well, whatever. I don't, <laughs> don't want to get into, that's a different, different podcast, different time, but uh, no, I, I'm just a DJ. Yeah. Yeah. 
and keep it keep it legit how, just sort of generally how do you manage to stay i mean it might speak for itself but how do you stay relevant on the on the circuit every year doing the same festivals doing the same uh the same sets you know, like we've spoken to hardwell david getter Ermet Ozcan, um these guys have been doing it for for so long how do you like how do you keep it up uh do your best first of all <laughs> That's like the most important thing because people will realize if you're not doing your best and uh, perform. And I think this is the most important thing about any industry or any genre or any brand. If your shit performs and you give them what they come for, they will come again. It's like the same shit with fucking Apple iPhones. Yeah. Like we blindly buy the next iPhone because the last 10 iPhones were always mind-blowing in performance. Mm -hmm. So you expect the next one, next one to do the same. And if they do it again, we will pay the price yeah. and we will be mind-blown and happy again and we will do it again until they're coming with an iPhone that is not necessarily mind-boggling. Mm. And you're like, ah, oh, this is not that special. Mm. And then the next iPhone they, they put out, maybe we won't buy it. Maybe we're going to think about getting a Google Pixel or some shit. It's probably good. Google's good. Google's product is good. Maybe their phones are interesting too. So I think it's the same thing when you perform as a DJ. People come, they hear good shit about you. If you give them great shit, like I, I always try to make the sets legendary experiences. Yeah. I, I hope I hope that's how they feel when, when we try to perform, but that's what we aim for. And when a set was, oh, it was okay, that's terrible. <laughs> like if a set was okay, like I'm going to be frustrated for a week mm. trying to figure mm. out what, 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 what we did wrong. What did I anticipate wrong? Which song shouldn't I have played? Like too many one, two, three, let's go. Too little <laughs> one, two, three, let's go. You know, like all, all this shit because the people, they get to see you once every so many years. So you want to make sure that it's the most legendary shit ever. So yeah, when you come yeah. back in a few years, they, we can celebrate together again. Yeah, yeah. And it, from industry talk, they will buy a ticket again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important if you want to really stay relevant that the only thing is you try to make sure that product quality is as high as possible and experience is as legendary as possible. And this, by the way, leads to the insane level of mashups you see in sets now. Mm, mm. Like if you see, like I remember seeing Skrillex in 2015 at Ultra and I still watch that set. It's so crazy and exciting and new and innovative and like it moves so quickly. And I tried to do the same thing for all my sets. I saw it at Ultra 2019 in my own set a little bit. I was very excited about that. I remember, I remember seeing Chainsmokers closing Ultra 2018. Mm -hmm. And I remember after 20 minutes, I felt like I watched an hour set and they put so much information in 20 minutes. It's like, oh shit, this was only 20 minutes. What the fuck is going to happen mm -hmm. next? <laughs> and to me, again, I think as long as you keep doing that, you will win. Yeah. But you have to do it every time. So every time I do an ultra set, I start preparation in about December, January. Yeah. I remember Hartwell, he told me he already had finished his ultra set in January, completely finished visuals, game plan, 
track lists, uh, even his MCQs for himself. Like, okay, at this point, I'm going to do the the countdown. At this point, I'm going to do everybody fucking jump. Mm. Because you want to prepare yourself so you're not going to look repetitive. Because if you're not paying attention, it's very easy to use the everybody fucking jump 27 times in one of set. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And it's not just a set that's a one-time thing. If it's a one-time thing, different story. It doesn't matter if you fuck up a little bit. This shit's going online. Everyone around the world will decide who, which artists they want to see, yeah. which artists they are interested in by their ultra sets, by their Tomorrowland sets. So when you're talking about staying relevant, the only thing you can do is try to create the best quality experience you can. Mm. Keep it fresh. And you and you will be awarded accordingly. Yeah. Like cool. everyone's always saying, why is Tiesto still in the top? Uh, the top. Uh, well, he left the top ten this year for the first time. But w- why is he there? Because his songs always good. He always releases hits. He has a hit song now called "The Business." It's fucking. It's a great song. And it's not just because it's Tiesto. No, everyone likes the song. My mom says like, oh, you hear the new Tiesto song? I'm like, yes, yes, mom, I heard it. I I will try harder. You know, (laughs) this is is the situation. So if you make great songs and you deliver great performances, that's it. I'm sure mom loves your tracks too, man. It's all good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but it's it's like i wish you said that about my track hey i heard you do song on the radio i really like it <laughs> like that never happens it's only the fucking tiesto song what the fuck no <laughs> i'm kidding uh oh dear. that's funny but yeah stay true to yourself keep it fresh um is basically yeah the way forward i'm guessing um yeah and pay attention mm. Don't just think because you're working 16 hours towards something that you're working good. You have to work smart too. Mm. Pay attention to the industry. Mm. Follow IMS. Go to all the the special little, uh, what do you call it? The gatherings, the Mm. conventions. Mm. Look at what other DJs are doing. I watched almost every Ultra set and every EDC set and every Tomorrowland set online. I'm constantly looking what's going on in dance music. And who am I in this, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm-hmm. and i think uh, not just me by the way everyone that i know that's like at the top david uh hartwell martin uh Dimi and mike everyone does this mm-hmm. we, like the head of tomorrowland also watches all the edc and ultra videos mm-hmm. the head of ultra watches all the tomorrowland and edc videos yeah, you know yeah like everyone is like seeing what's going on just how that- is our industry what do the people want yeah yeah and they're not thinking this like how can we manipulate the people to give us more money they're thinking how can we give the best experience mm, to people absolutely and learn from each other to inform our decisions yeah 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 no for sure um i think uh yeah before i um, before i let you go nick um mm-hmm. what else um is in the pipeline for capuchon obviously we've had um the you've been doing your live streams you've had the the release of the single um are you going to be continuing to work on that stuff um or is it are you going to be like shifting the focus back to afrojack more what's the what's kind of the game plan going into to 2021 uh <laughs> there's no game plan i have no idea when shows are coming back <laughs> well yeah uh, we my whole summer is booked from gigs that got moved to next year right right so 2021 summer is fully booked catching up with uh 
with yeah. cakes. Yeah, I hope it's going to happen, but I, I, of course, have to be expectant that it's going to be quiet again. Yeah. But I did get some offers uh, for like a Asia tour and for an America tour, and I declined because okay. it's too early. Mm-hmm. Like I had the option to go in December, and you have to do two weeks quarantine and then stay in the country for four or six weeks and do touring to make it financially uh, viable. Is the yeah. Word, I yeah. Think. yeah. Uh, I, d- I don't want to do that because if I do that now, if I go t- to America now and I do a four-week tour, it's going to be a four-week tour of the same shit I was doing before Corona started. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather get the go-ahead like, okay, from March, we're back. Yeah. Okay, so let's yeah. sell tickets for March. Give me three months to prepare the most epic shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the day I hear we're going to do it again, is when the day when I'm going to start preparing, but okay. then I still want to have a three month gap to get my whole team back. I haven't seen my light guy, my visual guy in fucking three months. Like Mad, we need yeah. to have dinner, sit down and talk about, yo, what are we going to do? How are we going to shit on the rest of our, uh, of our industry? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we, not like negative. But, you know, like we, <laughs> we want to kill the competition. Obviously. Every time we go to a festival, we always want everyone else to think, including all the other DJs, programmers, anyone on, on the thing we want them to think like what the fuck <laughs> who are these people uh, it sounds oh, like <laughs> uh, it sounds this like this is not fair <laughs> no you've um you've obviously got an amazing team behind you man and um i do yeah yeah which is great it's great to have that um that support and uh it's obviously you've um been keeping very busy this year i, I love that um that you've been uh Using using this as a chance to really focus on on Capuchon as a project, and um, I'm sure it's going to be I'm sure it's going to be great for you. Kind of getting back to um, like we spoke about getting back to kind of your your real musical roots um, and the techno stuff, which is really it sounds like what you what you really kind of love doing. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, obviously let's let's keep our fingers crossed for when uh, we can get back to some kind of normality in the new year, and you can uh, you can start preparing for your next set. Um, definitely which is I'm, be... I'm not going to be there from day one but yeah. i i definitely hope for everyone that day one comes as quick as possible and i will join you three months after day one <laughs> awesome awesome um nick thanks so much for joining us on the headliner radio podcast man it's been um it's been amazing to thanks for having to me, hear bro. about everything you've got going on and um best of luck uh with thank you with uh with music and um and in the meantime, stay safe. Uh, we'll, yes. we'll catch up soon. And uh, yeah, you take care. Yes, thank you. By the way, I want to add one last thing. Yeah, please do. Uh, doing this interview here in the, the gaming room inspired me to set up a full interview room so I can always do this shit in high quality <laughs> because this is fun. This is fun. Cool. This is a lot cool. more fun than doing a email question list. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> I appreciate no, it. No, it has. It has been fun and it's been, uh, it's been fascinating, Nick. Thanks again. Um, thank you and um you, you take care we'll uh, we'll catch up soon yes hope so thank you cheers my friend bye now cheers headliner radio supporting the creative community